Welcome once again to the Extra Point Podcast. Good to have you with us today. It's Tuesday, September the 12th, 2023. My name is Todd Stiles, one of the pastors here at First Family Church. Really glad you've joined us. And I want to take a look back at last week's text. It was Philippians 4, 10 through 14. And as we always do on the Extra Point Podcast, we gain some further insight, deeper application, more observation. I want to take a look back at this pericope and I want to bring to your attention what I think may be a quite subtle but powerful refutation of a false doctrine of a heresy that existed in the early centuries of the church. I think perhaps that Paul was taking aim at this false doctrine, this heresy, through the use of some specific words in this paragraph. I didn't mention it Sunday, mainly because I'm not completely confident yet it was Paul's intent. Uh, I'm pretty confident it wasn't his primary intent. I wonder, though, if it wasn't a secondary, what I said earlier, subtle um, purpose. Perhaps he was um, getting getting an appropriate dig, (laughs) if we can use that word, at these false teachers. Let me walk you through it. Uh, First of all, the false doctrine, the heresy, was known as Gnosticism. Uh, It stems from the early Greek philosophers, Plato and Aristotle. That was, of course, in the B.C. period. But as it formulated, as it made its way into uh, thought in other regions, uh, Gnosticism became really the uh, real enemy of the early church, especially in the first three centuries. It really had a couple of main points. One is that you can't access uh, a relationship with God unless you have uh, a special type of knowledge. Uh, The word gnosis is the word for knowledge in the Greek language, and so Gnosticism has its roots in this idea that uh, you can't get to God without a special type of knowledge. Uh, They would even use the word mysterious or the word that we even hear now sometimes, this idea of a secret knowledge. It's only revealed to a few. You have to work to attain it. Now, they did say, and it was, of course, um, deceitful language, but they did say it came through Christ. Uh, They would say they followed the teachings of Christ, but they misconstrued them, they twisted them, and they would say this knowledge only came uh, to a certain few in a certain type of mysterious way. They also claimed that the body was evil, anything uh, of matter was evil, only the spirit was actual uh, life. And so, though you may think that would lead you to think that anything done in the body was evil, they actually maintained that whatever was done in the body, it didn't matter. So, it was a non-issue because the body was evil and it didn't technically actually exist. And it was their way to excuse sin and hedonism um, and licentiousness. Uh, I'd keep this in mind as well. This is one of the reasons they would say that Christ didn't have a real body. Uh, They actually said that what you saw was just the appearance of a body, and that, of course, the Holy Spirit left him before his crucifixion, they maintained. Thus, um, Christ's crucifixion wasn't real in um, the perspective of Gnostics. So the whole thing gets really twisted. It really is an attack upon the true gospel. And so this may be what Paul is, in a secondary fashion, taking aim at when he says, and I want you to hear these words with that framework in mind of the of the heresy that was attacking the early church. 
He does say in Philippians chapter three, verse, excuse me, chapter four, verse 12, he says, I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. And then he says this, he has found the, excuse me, he has learned the secret of being content. So do you see within that paragraph, Paul does take aim at um, by using three words that I think perhaps really attacks appropriately this heresy of Gnosticism, saying that he knows the secret, um, he's learned it, he has knowledge of it, but then he says the secret is Christ. It's not something that's mystical, uh, unattainable, only revealed to a few. It's actually historical, evidential, visible, real, Um it's it's tangible. It's Christ uh, who was seen and heard and uh, touched, as John would tell us in his epistle. And so I think in some ways, Paul here is really striking a blow to the heresy of Gnosticism by saying contentment does come through knowing Christ, but that's not an elevated, mystical type of unattainable knowledge it's actually um, graspable. It's within our reach because it is the person of Christ that was seen and touched and felt and heard and known. It's through him that we can learn how to have the source and the strength to be content, to be adaptable across a spectrum of situations. Whatever comes our way, whether it be things and situations and circumstances that require us to a live in need, or if we have a lot at times. In other words, those are non-factors. Christ is really all that matters. It's what matters, and He is our, our source and our strength for living um, independent of external circumstances, or we could even say living in an undisturbed fashion internally, even when all around us ex- is changing externally. The The secret, as Paul would say, to that type of living is not something unattainable, mystical, or mysterious, or out of reach. It is supernatural, but it's visible, historical, evidential, seen and heard. It's the person of Jesus Christ. And so I just want to make sure that even though Gnosticism now is not quite the threat it was then in, in many regards, let's just be clear that what Paul is saying here is that Jesus Christ is the doorway. Uh, the avenue, the soul, um, a way to God and to a life of contentment. It's Jesus Christ. It's not a secret, elevated type of unattainable knowledge that only a few can get. It's through Jesus Christ, the historical, evidential God-man who lived and died and was raised again. And so I just commend to you and say to you, he's the one that we're looking to for all of our strength to be content in every circumstance.